Welcome to Compliance Beat, the podcast for compliance and ethics professionals. We provide practical insights and answer your questions about compliance and ethics. Together, we'll stay up to date on current trends so that your program stays effective. Brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Here's your host, Eric Moorhead. Welcome to another edition of Compliance Beat. We're going to talk about retaliation today. I'm titling this the retaliation episode, but it actually might be a two-parter uh, depending on how deep we get into the weeds here. Uh, retaliation is, as you all know, if you are responsible for a compliance program at your organization, is one of the more difficult subjects to tackle, one of the more difficult issues to try to ameliorate within an organization if people have a fear of retaliation uh, and won't come forward, won't uh, report concern and concerns and ask questions. Uh, that's one of the toughest things uh, for a compliance program to tackle. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Uh, we're thick into the silly season. It's hard to believe, hard to believe another year has gone by. We're uh, quickly, quickly running towards 2020 here. Uh, probably we'll have an end of the year wrap-up episode before we get too far uh, into December. Uh, but I did want to talk about retaliation, uh, our topic for today, because that is something that has come up uh, frequently with a few clients here recently. Um, it is uh, something that affects all organizations. Um, it doesn't matter how sophisticated uh, your organization is. It doesn't matter how mature your compliance program might be. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. It doesn't matter whether you're large or small. If you have more than a few people, um, the uh, fear of retaliation uh, affecting the ability of people to uh, honestly come forward and ask questions and report concerns is a real thing. Uh, and, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what uh, the perception is versus the reality, because uh, that's something I think sometimes gets lost in the, in the discussion of retaliation, because we immediately start thinking about actual retaliation and not just the fear of retaliation. So first, I want to talk about what does retaliation look like in, in inside organization and in, inside organizations these days, and, and what gets reported by uh, individuals within their um, organizations. And for this, I'm going to be uh, using a couple of different sources, uh, primarily ECI resources. For those of you who aren't familiar with ECI, uh, they do their global business ethics survey every other year, or at least I believe it's still every other year. Uh, I think 2018 was the last iteration. Uh, so there should be a new one coming out in 2020. Uh, they've been doing this for quite some time. Uh, every other year. It used to be the National Business Ethics Survey. Uh, it is uh, a great source of information around culture. Um, there are lots of other surveys and data sources out there publicly available. Uh, and maybe some, maybe some someday soon I should do a podcast about where you can find uh, data on uh, what I would call uh, organizational or resource information. So sort of comparing apples to apples, uh, surveying organizations about the resources in place for compliance. There are a lot of surveys that do that. Uh, getting uh, uh, culture data is becoming more and more difficult. And part of that is because of uh, consultants like me, uh, and uh, but larger, much larger organizations than me, uh, because uh, many organizations run culture surveys as a service. And so they're, they're a little reticent to share too much data uh, with the public. Um, but you can still find some, some data out there. And, and I'm going to be um, uh, citing a couple of uh, older uh, surveys from ECI. And I'll put the uh, sites to, to these surveys that I might mention 
in the show notes of this podcast if you're interested. So you can find some data, but it is uh, getting culture data uh, for free is, is uh, a little bit more difficult uh, than it used to be, I would say. So uh, one thing that has remained fairly consistent, um, and, and this, this can vary depending on, uh, on, on the uh, organizational survey that you're looking at, but at least with the ECI um, uh, 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 ERC, former ERC uh, surveys going back a few years, it's pretty consistent that between uh, 40 and 50 percent of, of employees in U.S.-based businesses have observed some misconduct. Now, that will go down in some organizations, particularly organizations that have a perceived strong culture versus those that have a weak culture. Organizations with a weak, weak culture, not surprising. You'll see a much higher uh, reported uh, misconduct uh, rate. Sometimes that will be, I think I've seen surveys in the past where that might be up into the 70 percentile uh, uh, area for organizations where there is a perceived weak culture. There's, you know, the vast majority of people are, are, are observing misconduct or perceived misconduct. But a good benchmark is between 40 and 50 percent. Some organizations it's going to be less, some it's going to be more. So we'll start, start from there. So we're talking about a pretty sizable group, a pretty sizable part of your population that's going to observe misconduct, even if it's only 25, 30 percent, if you are in one of those strong culture, uh, perce strong perception of culture uh, organizations, you're still going to have a good chunk of your employees that are going to be observing misconduct that presumably you want them to report back to you about. And so when we're talking about um, uh, retaliation, we need to start with who are we talking about? Well, we're talking about that, you know, anywhere from 25, 30% to 50% of your organization that's observing misconduct, because those are the people that we expect to report. Now, out of that number, how many typically report? And this is the question that came up recently with one of my clients. And, and surveys vary. I saw some numbers just recently from uh, Ethisphere, and I'll, and I'll put that site up in the, um, in the show notes as well. They just released, I think just this last month, just in November, uh, some data from their um, culture survey uh, data set. And I believe that their number was somewhere around 54, 52, mid-50s were reporting. And that's pretty consistent with what uh, you historically see uh, about, you know, 50 to 60 percent, uh, sometimes a little bit higher than that, that will report of those that observe misconduct. Um, the number that I have, uh, is, numbers I have from ECI are a few years old. They're 29, I mean, 2009 numbers were around 63 percent. In 2011, it was around 65%, and then it was back around 63% uh, in 2013. So 60 to 65%, maybe in the mid-50s. So let's say 55 to 60%. So um, going back to our original number, you've got about, you know, let's say 30 to 40% of your population that are observing misconduct, and then another 50% uh, that are reporting. Well, what about that other 50%, the 50% that aren't? So that's maybe as much as 15% of the overall population of your organization. So as you can see, it's important to think about who this 
uh, who this cohort is, who this group is, because it actually is a, can be a pretty sizable number of individuals who observe misconduct and then don't report it. Uh, uh, you know, uh, that's, that's pretty significant, and that's where we need to start. So we're talking about overall maybe 15 to 20% of the organization, overall maybe between 55 and, say, 65% of those um, uh, observe, excuse me, observing misconduct are actually reporting it. So you've got about 40% that aren't. So what's going on with that 40%? Well, what we know is the vast majority of those people who aren't reporting, uh, the number one reason that they state that they're not reporting is fear of, re of retaliation. Fear of retaliation is the the thing that drives people, or at least that they report, drives them not to come forward. The ECI data uh, is pretty staggering. It says that 53% uh, from this data back in 2012 uh, stated that that was the reason. Retaliation was not the reason. So again, if we extrapolate backwards, we're talking about, you know, maybe between a low of, say, 3 to 5% to a high of maybe 10 or 12% of the population uh, that are fearing retaliation. And that doesn't mean they necessarily experienced it, but they fear it, fear it enough that they are not coming forward and not reporting misconduct that they've observed. So what's going on in organizations that causes people to feel this way? To, to give you a sense of the, the scale here, some other data that was really interesting and kind of eye-opening that came out of uh, the ECI data set is uh, they noted that in 2013, uh, they estimated that about 2.1 million workers, uh, they extrapolated from their data, 2.1, a little over 2 million workers, experienced retaliation in 2013. To put that in context, that uh, 2.1 million is the number of people that live in the state of New Mexico. So we're talking about a significant group of people uh, who actually uh, report experiencing uh, retaliation of some form. Uh, at their organization. Now, is that due to necessarily to reporting uh, or, or um, uh, uh, observing misconduct and, not, and, and reporting it? Not necessarily. But uh, the retaliation trend seems to be uh, pretty consistent. Um, and, and it seems to uh, revolve primarily around the concept of reporting uh, or fear of reporting a misconduct. What does retaliation really look like in organizations? Well, um, uh, ECI also asked some very specific questions about what that retaliation was. Oftentimes, uh, in these culture surveys, in you know, you don't ha you have limited space, particularly if you're uh, uh, running it in conjunction with a much larger HR survey or, or or employee satisfaction survey or something like that. So you don't have a lot of follow-up questions. But in this particular uh, study that they did, they asked specifically, said, okay, you say you experienced retaliation. What does that look like? What, it, what was it? Uh, the number one thing that was mentioned is that uh, managers or supervisors intentionally ignored or treated me differently. Uh, and, you know, I think traditionally when we think about retaliation or what people perceive as retaliation, we think about something... Uh, that might be a little bit more dramatic than that. Uh, that's not to say these things don't happen. That those things don't happen, but just being treated differently, um, being ignored—that uh, is the most commonly uh, reported uh, 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 retaliatory 
um, action that people perceive. Uh, supervisors or managers excluded me from decisions or work. That's also uh, a very a popular um, uh, reason given. Verbally abused by supervisors or managers. That That's getting much more, I think, uh, tr to the traditional notion that we think of about retaliation, verbal abuse, uh, not giving promotions or raises, uh, um, almost lost job. But those are all much lower percentages uh, being reported by people who experience retaliation than this being ignored or being treated differently. That's the number one reason. That's the number one uh, 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 perceived effect of retaliation that people report uh, in, in, in the data. Um, some other things that are mentioned, hours cut, pay cut, relocated, reassigned, demoted, uh, harassed at home, uh, experienced uh, physical harm uh, to my person or property, experienced online harassment. Those last ones, I was harassed at home, experienced physical harm and on online harassment were all the lowest uh, reported ones, and those were all under 20%. The vast majority of this high percentage, the 69%, was just being treated differently. So I think we have to think about what we think of as retaliation or perceived retaliation uh, behavior uh, much more broadly. Um, the, the other uh, interesting data that comes out of this when you start drilling down a little bit in the retaliation um, survey data is we often talk about perception and we often talk about culture. Perception is really important, and, and, and one piece of data that stuck out to me in the survey from back in 2013 that ECI did, particularly on retaliation, I think is really illuminating, and it's all about perception. Uh, when you talk to any uh, leader in an organization, whether it's a CEO, chief compliance officer, general counsel, uh, senior executives of any kind about retaliation, their general response, and it's not necessarily, uh, they're not being, you know, they're not trying to uh, uh, minimize retaliation, but what they often say is something along the lines of, well, everybody knows, everybody knows that we uh, stand for transparency here or that we, uh, we do not tolerate retaliation. Our non-retaliation message is all over the place. It's in our code. Uh, it's in that message in the front of the, uh, the code document, it's in my video statement that, that I send out every year. That's what you often hear, that, uh, that, uh, 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 that people understand this, that they, that they know that it's, that it's the case, that, that the organization uh, cares about retaliation and cares about people coming forward and will protect them. That's the perception at the top level of the organization. That's often the perception uh, with those who um, uh, with those who believe, or I mean, those that are that are dealing with uh, employees on a day-to-day -day basis. So your line management, your supervisors, they have a fairly strong perception that that's the case. Everybody knows that this is what we care about. That we talk about this. They should understand it. The messaging is out there. Um, but there's a disconnect somewhere because that doesn't come up. Uh, that's not the perception uh, when you drill down on the data and you look at it from the perspective of those that are not in management. What the uh, ECI survey found is that there's a 15 percentage point swing uh, between the perception 
that the uh, anti-retaliation type messaging is strong if you're in management or you're a supervisor versus if you're in non-management. So there's a perception gap between whether the message is strong or not. I think that there's oftentimes, uh, because management believes strongly in this, and, 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 I, and, it's, and it's an honest belief that, that this is important and that this is the way we run our business, it's kind of taken for granted in a way that everybody understands that and perceives that as strongly as they do. But, you know, it, it's clearly not the case. There's clearly a disconnect. And, and um, what, what happens is, is it, does, it just doesn't get communicated, I don't think, as frequently as, as managers and, and uh, executives of the organization think it does. They think that everybody understands it. They think that everybody perceives it. But uh, there is a disconnect on, on balance between those in management and those not as to whether that's true or not. Um, a good indicator here might be uh, a query and a survey about whether people are familiar not only with the code of conduct, which is a common question you see in a culture um, survey, but are they familiar with other resources, communication and training resources, and other resources available uh, to them from the depart from the compliance department or or other whatever other uh, resources or within the organization. Uh, you know, trying to get to the notion, to the uh, uh, understanding as to whether they really do feel that they have resources and they know where to go. That might be help to illuminate uh, how broad uh, that disconnect is, if it exists at all. But that, to me, was very striking. Another uh, uh, perception uh, uh, data point that was very interesting in this 2013. Um, report from ECI is perception about accountability matters and it affects an employee's perception of retaliation. What that means is if they believe that there's accountability at the top of the organization, that will affect their perception of retaliation. So we often talk about, or I often talk about, that uh, the number one reason that people don't report is retaliation. But the number two reason people don't report generally is some form of, I don't think the company's going to do anything about it. Uh, I don't trust the company to do what they're supposed to do. Some sort of uh, distrust and, and, and belief that there will not be accountability. That's the number two reason. So what's interesting here is to see how they work together. When you have, uh, when you fall down on accountability, that affects the perception of retaliation. So even if there's not a, you know, a significant amount of retaliation going on, but you have a perception within the organization that account accountability is low, that's also going to cause people to fear retaliation as well. They feed on each other. To give you an example here, uh, when you ask uh, uh, a, a, a employee in an organization where they don't believe accountability exists, uh, whether they fear retaliation from senior leadership for reporting, the, the figure is double, double uh, what it would be if they were in an organization where they felt there was accountability. And the difference is 22% would fear retaliation in an organization with accountability. 45% said they would fear retaliation in an organization where there wasn't accountability. So it can up to double 
the strength, if you will, of this perception of retaliation when you also couple that with the also unfortunate perception of no accountability or low accountability within the organization. So I've been throwing a few numbers out there, and I, I hate to do that on a podcast because it's, it's not the best format to throw a bunch of numbers out there. Uh, but, but, but the key takeaways here are, number one, uh, perception of retaliation can be particularly strong uh, and it does not necessarily correlate to actual retaliation. That's the number one thing that I think you should take away from this short discussion here. Number two is that retaliation is affected by and influenced by other um, aspects of culture, including a perception, a low perception of accountability. The third one that I think is really important, third thing that we talked, I talked about uh, here that I think is important to, is that our traditional notions of what retaliation looks like is very different from what people report. What they report is being ignored or being treated differently. And that's very broad. And that uh, really um, could be something, again, that has a lot more to do with perception than actual intended retaliation. So there's a lot of perception and employees un, um, not knowing uh, and not being well armed with, the, with information and with resources that can lead to them feeling uncomfortable about coming forward and reporting. So those are, I think, three key takeaways there. I have more to talk about here. And as I uh, stated at the top, uh, I, I felt like this was probably going to be more than one episode. So stay tuned for part two. We might see if uh, we can get the rest of the uh, of this information about retaliation in a part two. If not, we'll uh, do a part three. As you know, I'm not bashful about doing multi-part podcasts. Uh, as always, if you've got uh, anything you'd like to share with us, please do get in touch. Uh, you can find us at compliancebeat.com, uh, moreheadconsulting.com, or you can email me directly anytime at eric at moreheadconsulting.com. I love to hear from listeners. I really appreciate you uh, sticking with us um, and uh, look for another uh, edition of Compliance Beat very soon. Thanks for listening to Compliance Beat. Check out our website, compliancebeat.com. This podcast is brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Be sure to check us out at moorheadconsulting.com.